Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence. I just ask increase your presence in this room. Do all you want to do tonight, Jesus. Do all you want to do. Yes. Open the eyes of our heart. We want to see you as you are and comprehend you. I pray, stand with me here. Let me speak as an oracle ask. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Okay, uh, turn with me to Daniel 7. We're just going to continue on our series we've been on for a few months now, and the beauty of the Lord, encountering the beauty of the Lord. And I'm just going to... I'm just going to talk about majesty tonight, really. Um, I want to just really just spend time talking about God and, and who He is and the beauty of God and, and then call our hearts to engage with truth and see Him and with, with new eyes of understanding, see Him with eyes of revelation. I am um, so aware of my own propensity to take my eyes off the Lord, take my eyes off the Word, and then just just get a natural lens that sort of just can kind of just cover everything, and and you can just forget about the greatness of God just going through life. You can just forget about His majesty, and just even the ideas of the the realm of the spirit, you know, that everything that's happening in the natural is, is a product of what's uh, happening sort of behind the scenes, happening in the spirit. There really are angels and demons. There really are uh, things happening, collisions happening in the spirit. There really is a throne set in heaven. And uh, that's what we have our our opening with is the throne of God and and our identity is uh, chiefly understood not by any human means or any natural measure it's a critical point your identity as a believer is chiefly understood by who you are in front of the throne of God the throne defines us The realm of the Spirit defines us more than any natural thing. In the natural, you might have a title, you might be a worker, a student, you might be a mom or a dad or, or, you know, a brother, sister. But in the Spirit, you are accepted in the beloved and desired by the one who sits on the throne. And that understanding is a greater identity than any other identity, any natural identity that you could claim. And we've got to maintain our connection with the realm of the Spirit so we can see who we really are and then live our lives with hearts flowing and open and alive and un, you know, unhindered and, and detached from these things that try to anchor us. You know, we're just, we're just uh, sojourners, we're just travelers. We're aliens, the scripture says. We're strangers passing through this tough age unto getting real comprehension of who we are and what we're called to be. And what we're called to be is accepted in the beloved. There's a day coming when you and I will gaze into eyes of fire and find our identity in the eyes of the one who created us. 
This is who we are, beloved. The more that we are tied down to natural definitions, the more that we are tied down to, to all these things the world tries to say that we are without comprehending who we are before the throne of God, all of it will be broken. We'll live completely broken and fractured if we have a chiefly natural or human focus. We actually have to see the, the realm of the spirit and then operate in, in, in this natural realm. This is one package we do together, flowing from our identity before the throne. We just are who we are in this natural world. But we're not being identified by who we are in the natural. We're, who we are, uh, we're identified by who we are before his throne. And we're always before his throne. We have access to the throne. We are seated in heavenly places. And that's not even as a measure, a measure of authority. That is, is as a measure of intimacy. You've been granted access to the the fellowship of the Godhead as a measure of intimacy. God wanted you near him. Ephesians 1, he said that you'd be before him in love. He predestined you to adoption that you'd be before him in love. And I just, and so tonight I just am, um, I'm wanting to deal with what it is there that's before him. What's before him in the throne? What, 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 is the, what is the makeup of God and what is coming off of God that we're able to perceive? And then how does that affect us? How does his essence being manifest, his presence, his essence manifest, how does that affect us? How do we perceive it? What do we see in the scripture about it? And and the word that I just want to zero in on tonight is majesty. Just majesty. So you can zero in on this word majesty. Because there's much, there's just a depth on this word. We, we just, I keep thinking about that. We don't know, we don't understand the one which we have to deal with. It's him. He's the one that we have to deal with. But uh, so many verses describe what's before him, what comes all, and, and when you see it, when you see this, you know, uh, there's light before him, or there's glory before him. Uh, Psalm 18 says, the brightness that's before him. It's talking about the atmosphere around God that is, um, actually, that atmosphere is as a result of what's coming out and off of God. So the atmosphere of the throne is the essence of his nature. What's in the throne is coming out of the being of God. Lightning, thundering voices, jasper sardius, you know, emerald rainbow, fire. All that is just emanating out of him. It's just, just you know, he's just like overflowing into the, into the place around him. And so this term majesty is used to describe what it is that's about him. Majesty, majesty. Majesty. So there's two Old Testament words. They're basically the same. One comes from the other that are translated majesty. And I just, I want to zero in on it a little bit because uh, it gives us clarity, a greater clarity as to what is going on in God, what's going on around God, what, what's the stuff of God that's, that's changing the atmosphere about Him. The two words are just simple. One is Hadar, which is H-A-D-A-R, Hadar. And the other one is Hod, H-O-D-E, Hadar and Hod. And this is what they mean. They just simply mean ornament, splendor, honor, glory, magnificence, beauty, 
comeliness, excellence, vigor. Those are the words that are translated majesty. So when you read the, any verse in the Old Testament, pretty much those are the two words that are used in, 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 in the Hebrew that, that gives us the English word majesty. Ornament, splendor, honor, glory, magnificence, beauty, comeliness, excellency, and vigor. That's what majesty is. I'll tell you, the one that got my attention is ornament. 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 Think about that word for a minute. You, you know, we have, you know, Christmas trees you put ornaments on. You have, uh, you know, jewelry you, or, you, know, you wear as an ornament. So he has majesty. He has, orna- he, he has, he has divine ornamentation. Majesty. And these ideas about what is upon him and around him, I mean, we can begin to comprehend the beauty, I mean, the absolute, overwhelming beauty of our God. These things are beyond our comprehension. We We don't know what a heavenly ornamentation of glory looks like. I mean, you know what I mean? You got your Christmas tree or whatever, you put a little, like a plastic shiny ball on it. Put a light on there. Back in the day, we used to put tinsel on it. It's like little strings of shiny plastic. And we think of that as ornament. Well, what is the stuff of God that he arrays himself with What's the divine ornamentation? I mean, we get a, we get a picture. He says this, there's light coming off him, like jasper and sardius. And there's an emerald rainbow about him. And there are a variety of details, thunders and lightning, sounds. There's this ornamentation in the throne room that is the majesty of God that's before him. And, I, and I'm convinced that we can perceive and receive, just like we receive glory. We have this glory in earth and vessel, the, the indwelling reality of the uncreated God in our spirit. But we can interface with the majesty of God, that, that essence of his glory around the throne, the ornamentation of his being on display. And it can actually impact us and it beautifies us. It impacts us, we feel it, and it actually beautifies us. It's the beauty of the Lord upon his people. This ornamentation, let the beauty of God be upon his people. The majesty of God, the majesty of God. And so this idea of majesty, it's also grandeur, splendor, excellency. So here's what we've got to do. We've got to move from ornamentation being the little glass ball to being something that makes you just gasp. The majesty of God, the majestic sound of his voice. I just want to read through some verses and just, you know, I don't have a real point except for majesty is intense. But I just want to read through this stuff and just allow it to saturate us. I want it to saturate the atmosphere, saturate our soul. And I just, as I started even just, I've had this message kind of in the pocket for a couple weeks, but just even going back over it, I just started feeling the Lord's presence on me in a strong way. 
And I, and I sense his presence right now. And I just want to read through these things and just comment here and there. So we're in Daniel 7. I'll read you a bunch of verses. But let's, let's look at Daniel 7, verse 9. Daniel's having an amazing encounter. He's seeing uh, beast kingdoms throughout the ages. And then he's seeing the last beast kingdom. And then the Lord tops that by letting Daniel see the seating of the Ancient of Days. He, he lets him see God's, God lets Daniel see God's throne. Look at this, verse 9. He said, I watched, he'd, he'd seen these other beasts. Now he keeps watching, he says, I watched till thrones were put in place. And the Ancient of Days, I love that, I love that title. Ancient of days. He's from everlasting. The ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. This one, this one got me. His throne was a fiery flame. His throne was a fiery flame. Ezekiel described the throne as a sapphire. Daniel sees it, and it's on fire. The throne. He's seating, he's sitting, seated on fire. You know, John gives us details in Revelation 4. Ezekiel gives us some details in Ezekiel 1, and Daniel gives us some details in Daniel 7. No one else sees the throne as fire. Daniel sees this thing, and it's engulfed. There's, there's fiery, and I think it's sapphire color, fiery sapphire fire engulfing the Ancient of Days. And then... It's wheels a burning fire. I'm just wondering how many of us actually picture the wheels on the throne. Just don't really picture those, do we? But there are wheels. (laughs) Evidently, there's wheels on it. And they're on fire too. How little we know of him. There it is. There's wheels on the throne. How many times have you pictured the throne? How many times have you pictured the wheels on the throne? Guys, we don't know this. We don't even have a clue. We, we start going, how many millions of details are, are there about the throne that we, that we don't even know anything about? Well, let's just start with the ones that we actually have the detail on. We, I mean, he actually mentions the fiery wheels. Have you ever thought of the throne as a fire? <laughs> the throne is a fire. However that works. I'm guessing it's sapphire and it's, it's a throne and it's got wheels. And, and I, mean, I mean, it's better than, <laughs> you know, I mean, my little, my little pea brain goes, it's like a, like a go-kart kind of thing, like. Like a big wheelchair. Like what exactly? (laughs) 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. That's where my mind goes. I got like, like a dune buggy kind of just picturing. It's got to be better than that. I mean, we've got wheels, and we see in, in Ezekiel 1, there's wheels that are moving with the throne, and the throne and the wheels, they move together. And it actually says the Spirit of God is in the wheels. I promise you, we don't have a clue about this. Not yet. We're going to. When we get there, we really will. But we can get it on this side, and we can operate in a different, I mean, just a different expression of, you know, of what it means to have life in the Spirit. So his throne is fire. It's on fire. And there's wheels, and they're on fire. And then a, a fiery stream issued and came forth Now look at this, from before him. The New English translation says it, and I don't have the exact phrase, but the language is much more like it's coming out of him, and it is, it's coming out of him. So the river of living water, the river coming out of the throne, has got fire in it, and that is coming out of God. It's emanating from him. It's what I was saying. All the, de- all the details, all the stuff that's in the throne room, it's all the overflow of his being, so to speak. It's all coming out. It's, it's, the, it's the, uh, the essence of God manifests about him. Fire flowing out of him. The throne, that fire, those wheels. The spirit of God in the wheels. The, the, this thing is a fire. Well, God's a fire. This stuff is coming out of God. Well, what is all this stuff around him? It's majesty. It's the ornamentation. It's the splendor. And there's presence on it all. There's presence on it all. There's presence on the fire. There's presence on the river. There's presence on the wheels. There's presence on the light, on the jasper, on the sardius. There's presence on the sound. The lightning that comes out of God has feeling on it. It's not just, wow, that's scary. It's, whoa, I felt that. The thunder has power on it and presence. It has majesty on it. The thunder that comes out of him is his voice. The Lord thunders. Psalm 29 gives us details about what the voice of the Lord does. And he thunders. And Job 36 and 37 talk about how his his voice thunders. That thunder that's coming out of God, that's that's the, the voice of God. And there's presence on it. Fiery stream. And I love this. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Now just as I'm speaking, you can engage with these truths. You can just engage. Just engage with the reality that he's sitting on a fiery jasper throne. You can engage with that in your spirit. You can even, I mean, just engage with it in your mind and connect to it. But the thing about it is I'm finding the more that I'm connecting to what is the, the reality of the throne room, the greater sensation of God I have upon my frame and my, my uh, perspective changes. I see things differently. Because not only is, is my identity Uh, declared from that place, the lens from which all creation is to be understood is through the throne. 
because he's the one on the throne is the one who made all creation. So it's got to all be comprehended through the throne. Let me just give you a couple verses, just good ones, just real good ones. Turn over uh, Psalm 93. Psalm 93. Lord, just increase your presence. We want, I ask, would you just release majesty in this room? We want to feel that. We want to feel that, the majesty of you. I want my heart to be struck with it. I want to tremble. I want holy butterflies that, that, (gasps) Psalm 93, look at this, verse one. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. And then it it says, the Lord is clothed with majesty. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. I love the NIV. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty. We've got to connect to this. Who is the one that robes himself in majesty? He wraps himself in light like a garment. He dwells in unapproachable light. Light clothes our God. But it's more than just light. It's ornamented light. It's light with feeling and presence. It's, it's divine jewelry. I mean, if you can just think of it that way. Divine jewelry coming off our God that has presence and power on it. Majesty. Splendor. It's got pleasure to it. The, the beauty of him has pleasure. There's a sense of pleasure. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand is pleasure. So in, in the area around the throne, the pleasure reality is coming off of this divine ornamentation. The Lord is clothed with majesty. Robed with majesty. I just love that. I just want to see, I just, when I read that, I just close my eyes. I go, you're robed in majesty. What is that? And I just let the Lord hit my divine imagination with lightning. And I go, whoa. I mean, there's a whirlwind of power and life and glory swirling off of you. There's beauty. Heaven, heavenly ornamentation filling the place in front of you. And all of that, the stream, the fire, the wheels, the lightning, the thunder, the glory, the presence. Oh, you're majestic. You're majestic. And when we see that, we begin to get that inner vision, that inner perspective. We go, oh, you're huge. And oh, I'm so small. And man, you just, you see everything through that lens. Everything changes. All the, per- all the, the perceptions of what you think about life, it all changes through the reality of that. When you really see majesty, majesty. Think about it for a minute. Our, our richest dude, our richest human, Wears an expensive suit and drives like a Bentley. Has like a, you know, 50,000 square foot house. That's it. That's it. He's got a few bodyguards. A few cars, a few houses. Like, that's all you got? That's like our richest guy, our most majestic guy. I'm talking about the billionaire oil guy. Some chic guy. He's got, you know, like gold-plated bathroom. Like, really? That's it, bro? That's it? Our God has lightning coming out of him. Do that. 
do fiery throne. Do that with wheels somehow. Do thunder that breaks trees in half and splits fire. That's what Psalm 29 says. His voice thunders and it breaks trees. It splits the cedars and it splits the fire. How do you split fire? By majesty. It says he thunders with his majestic voice. And it splits fire. Do that. None can because none is close. Oh, we've got to perceive rightly. We've perceived so low. We've had such a low vision of God and such a high vision of humanity. And oh, if he just lift our vision higher and we just see him, this one who's robed in majesty, robed in splendor, magnificence, robed in excellency, robed in excellency. It, it's actually humiliating that we would actually call any human your excellency. Are you kidding me? I'm not saying go be this, you know, like what, like, uh, dishonoring to somebody who's got a position, but really? You can stand firmly in front of any throne on earth and be fully confident and not tremble. Why? Because you have access to a throne that's infinitely higher and the one that's upon it really is your excellency. We are in a, I mean, we, we've got to get a different vision of how we do life and how we go about. And it's, I tell you, our identity and our perception comes from the throne. We don't see the throne. We don't perceive majesty. We don't comprehend. We will live funny. And I just, I think about it. I go, you know, I just, it's that, uh, it's Ravenhill talking about his, his conversation with Tozer. And he said, uh, Tozer said, when we get there, we won't be in eternity for half a second till we realized we could have lived as kings, but we spent our whole life living as paupers. Because we have no revelation. We had no revelation of the majesty of the throne. Majesty, majesty, majesty. He's robed in majesty. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God. It'll be on your verse. It'll be on your screen. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God. You are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Who cover yourself with light. With light as with a garment. I love Job. Job 40. Bring it up. Job 40. See, Job... (laughs) Poor Job. See, you go, man, why did, why did God let all that stuff happen to Job? Because the Lord was allowing Job to get exposed. And what was it? It was arrogance in his heart. Because when all that stuff happens to Job, Job answers back with, if God would just appear to me, I'll tell him is wrong. That's pretty intense. I'll stand before him and I'll justify myself. That's what Job says multiple times through Job, like four or five times. I will tell him where he was wrong. And then the Lord shows up in a majestic whirlwind after Elihu preaches to Job. The Lord shows up and manifests in a theophany in this majestic whirlwind and begins to, do you know how this is how Job ends? With God thundering to Job out of a whirlwind. That'll get your attention. And the Lord says, gird yourself like a man. You don't want God to say that to you. Out of the whirlwind, gird yourself like a man. I mean, ah, 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, Job's like, oh. And God starts asking him questions. He starts asking him stuff like, how do you make a platypus? No, seriously, read it. He goes, how do you do this? Tell me if you know, Job. And he starts going through this list of things. It's impossible. He goes, do you know how snow forms in the sky? If you can do it, do it. If you can make a storm, do it, Job. And he starts exposing Job's arrogance that he thought he would stand before God and call God to account. And here's God. He goes, I'm calling you to account, most righteous man on the earth. You have no comprehension of who I am. And he says this, Job 40. God says to him, do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like his? This is, after, this is as God's thundering to him. It's, it's shaking his entire being. Like, <laughs> Job's like, <laughs> Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty if you can. He's clothed in majesty, wrapped in light. Fire comes out of him, beauty and splendor. This is where we have to live from. We have to live from throne room encounter. Listen to me, Christians. Beloved, we have to live from the place of throne room encounter. If we live from the place of believing what we see and living on this side and in this natural environment and we live from this place, all the challenges of life, all the the little details, if we live from this place, we orient from here, our vision will be so low, our faith will be nearly impotent. But if we will live from throne room encounter, everything down here will have a totally different perspective. We've got to live from this place. Our hearts have to move with awe and just just tremble about his majesty and just be swept up in it. Swept up in the divine entertainment of the throne room. Perceiving God, perceiving beauty. All of our senses are getting whelmed. All of our senses. Psalm 29, I, I said it a minute ago, but I love it. I love it. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. That feeling you get when you feel the Lord speaking to you and your spirit goes, and you feel that on your soul, that that, that sense of God's presence, the essence of God on you when you hear his voice, that's majesty. His voice is full of majesty. That awareness of his excellency. Job 37, I love Elijah's preaching. He goes, after it, a voice roars and God thunders with his majestic voice. His voice is full of majesty. I want to engage with that. I want to engage with the God who when he speaks, majesty is imparted. Majesty is released. It's the, see, if we comprehend who he is and what he sounds like, trembling at his word is like no big deal. Because we really hear it as it is, and it will cause us to tremble. In Isaiah 66, he goes, tremble at my word. And because they wouldn't, he releases judgment. But that's what we're called to be, a people who hear, perceive, and tremble at his words. Well, if we comprehend the majesty of his words, oh, our hearts will quiver. Majesty surrounds him. 
First Chronicles 16, 27. Splendor and majesty are before him. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy in his dwelling place. Some of us just need to lock in on those phrases. Splendor and majesty. Splendor and majesty are before him. You can live in splendor and majesty. Oh, how I've loved the place where your glory dwells. How I've loved the habitation of your throne. Because of the splendor and the majesty. The splendor and the majesty. The pleasure and that overwhelming, trembly sense of you. The excellency of God. The excellency of God. The splendor and the majesty. Psalm 45, I love it. Gird your sword on your thigh. O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty. We have any comprehension what it's going to look like when Jesus Christ returns. He's coming in the glory of the Father. And he's coming as a mighty man of war. And he is going to be moving in the majesty of God as he's taking over the thrones of all nations. Majesty. Majesty that causes the heart to bow. We lack a sense of awe because we don't comprehend his majesty. He goes, in your majesty, ride prosperously. It's talking about him taking over the nations on his return. This one's coming. This one's coming. He's coming. We, we should get a picture. He has to actually take of his essence, fill our frame with glory just so that we're not completely disintegrated by seeing him. You're getting a glorified body so you can just deal with him. Just so you can deal with it. We kind of think, well, I'm just going to go before the Lord. There's that magnetic thing to majesty. It's, I mean, it is absolutely enthralling and magnetic. I want him. But man, there's this thing where you will melt I mean, he is, he is, I mean, just infinitely powerful. And there's that tremble. It's, it totally is. You walk in, and you go, oh my, I don't think I can. And your heart's going, yes. And you're going, I will die. He goes, I'll put glory on you so you don't die. So you're not disintegrated. It wouldn't just have separated Moses from his, his spirit, from his body. I think it would have just obliterated him completely. To see the face of God. He's just gone. Majesty. The gl- and so this is where, see David, this is where David ends up going to. Psalm 145, verse five. He says, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. I want to propose, if it was good for David, it's good for us. We must meditate on Majesty. We must gaze on beauty from every angle. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. Well, it's enthralling and it's terrifying. Isaiah 2, verse 10. When the Lord Jesus returns and he comes in the glory of the Father and he comes in majesty, the, the prophet cries out to those that are on the earth that don't know the Lord and he says, Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. 
hide from the glory of his majesty. Verse 19, same chapter, says, They shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth. This is at the Lord's return. People will be scattering, absolutely terrified by the power of his majesty. They shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily. Beloved, this is the Mufasa effect. I was just trembling, tingling. Say it again, Mufasa. Oh, I mean, it's just majesty. Oh, I want to get closer. Majesty. Oh, I mean, it's just that, that trembly, magnetic, I'm terrified, but I want him. And then, you know, if you can, you can just, in that moment, you can just imagine, you know, you're dealing with the, just the, the divine fireworks of God, that, the divine, I mean, lava flow of his being, just overwhelming power, glory, fire, light coming at you. And all of a sudden, you get, the, you get the picture. In one instant, this thing is about to overtake you. You go, I will be destroyed. And then you recognize, he wants me. He desires me. I mean, ferocious majesty zeroing in in desire on you. Who's the target? You. This is, I mean, it's, oh, it's too much. It should be too much. You should be going, ah, 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 ah. I mean, just how do you act? You shouldn't know. There's no way to know. We go, well, there's all these billions of people. I mean, loves everybody. Yeah, but in that moment, you're not going to have the sensation of all the, the love of God sort of spread out thinly like little butter on bread. It's going to be all concentrated laser beam, majesty and glory and fire, power, desire, hunger for intimacy, and overwhelming, explosive, glorious splendor bearing on your soul. Majesty. Majesty. <sighs> this one got me. Why is this important? Here, here's it. I, I don't really need a takeaway because the takeaway is Jesus. He's intense. But here's a really good one. Isaiah 24, 14. There's a song that the nations will sing, that believers will sing, and it will so pluck the heartstring of Jesus. In Isaiah 42, it says, he will return like a mighty man of war. He'll return like, he'll, he'll cry aloud like a woman in labor and gasp, and return like a mighty man of war. He will be unrestrained, completely in his zeal. He will uncork his zeal and come in passion and fire. He'll come in majesty that will terrify the nations. What is the song that's sung? that plucks the heartstring of God. Isaiah 24, verse 14. This is talking about believers on the earth at the end of the age. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They'll cry aloud. They'll sing. He's talking about the church at the end of the age getting a vision, a real vision of who he is and singing with revelation. Songs that touch his heart. When the bride sings with understanding of the majesty of God, not only will nations tremble, 
Jesus will return. He will return to the song of his bride, singing of his majesty. And oh, when he comes, he comes in majesty. And oh, when he rules, he'll rule in majesty. Isaiah 26, 10, it says this. It says, though that the wicked are shown mercy, they won't repent. And the reason why is they will not regard the majesty of the Lord. It's that 2 Corinthians 4, how the, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, lest the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ shine forth from the face of Jesus, lest they have the revelation of God's majesty. Oh, see, beloved, this is our portion. Divine entertainment, feasting on the being of God, comprehending him with all of our capacities, all of our senses, all of our spiritual capacities, drawing off of God and going into the verses, getting revelation, and then God thundering majestically to our soul. I promise you, there is nothing in this age that can scratch the itch in your soul that's longing for eternity. You're made, your frame is crying out for eternity. It's crying out for supernatural experience and entertainment. And we scratch the itch with all sorts of inferior means and we come out empty because the divine entertainment of splendor is what you're made for. You're made to have your frame shocked. I mean, like real shocked. Have your heart overwhelmed. I just love these verses. I just love these verses. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. That's our takeaway. Majesty will make you tremble. The being of God and manifest about him. Majesty, the excellency of God, the splendor of our God, the majesty of our God. And what I want to do is I want these words, I want these words to just get, just have all the cliche broken off of them. So that you can't say he's majestic without you going, ooh. Or you can't sing majesty by rote. Do you know what I mean? Because we, we get so familiar with the term, we don't even know what it means. Your excellency. And we really need to have some of these truths restored to us. We need the language of beauty to fill our minds and fill our mouths. Majesty, the majesty of God to cause our hearts to tremble. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand. Majesty. I just want to wait on the Lord for a moment. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, open our eyes to see the beauty of who you are, the majesty of our God, the terrifying majesty of God, the fire that comes out of you the fire of your throne, the glory 
the pleasure of your presence, the splendor, the splendor. Help us perceive the splendor, the pleasure. Come, Holy Spirit. Break us out of envisioning life from a low view. We want to see things through the lens of the throne. We want to perceive all of creation through the place where it was created. And we want our identity to be defined for us by the throne. And we want to tremble. We want to tremble. There is a well of desire in my frame, Jesus, that tells me I'm made for more than any natural experience of pleasure. I'm made for more than any natural experience of exhilaration. I want to shock and thrill. God, let us be a, a people whose eyes are enlightened with majesty, whose mouths are filled with the words of majesty, who hear the thunder of your majestic voice, the voice that shatters, shatters cedars, splits fires. Majesty, 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 excellency, 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 excellency. God, I pray, elevate our view. Elevate our view. See you as you are. See you as you are. Let it be overwhelming. We want to be overwhelmed. We want to tremble and be shocked and overwhelmed. Undone. We want to perceive, we want to perceive reality through these lenses. We're barren and under a low view of God. Now let us see. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, engage us. Engage us right now.